You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. And we are back in studio with Alexis Walkenstein. For those who didn't join us for our last episode of Trending, you can find online. Alexis is the co-producer of the film Unplanned. And Alexis, you gave us the inside scoop in the last episode about the huge release and censorship in Canada. Yeah. We, um, well, we opened in the United States March 29th. It was a surprise box office hit. And after the American domestic open, we were really working to fulfill the clamor for Unplanned around the world. And Canada was one of those hotbed locations where um, it's very dark when it comes Mm -hmm. to the culture of life versus the culture of death. Much more restrictions there, um, treacherous, you know, with regard to abortion. And so there was so much opposition to get in. We didn't have a distributor right away. There was just so much coming against us. And it was hard to believe that Canada was our first country internationally where Unplanned would um, emerge. And you know what? It was another surprise box office. It was a small box. We had a little over 50 screens, um, but we did the highest per screen average in all of North America. It was the second highest per screen average in all of North America for that weekend, which is unheard of. We heard stories of people waiting in line for six hours for tickets. Theaters were sold out everywhere. This coming weekend, going into the second weekend, we're hearing about um, a town of 30,000 where that particular theater is totally sold out. And stories of people having major conversions and healings in the theater, um, people who are either had their own abortion or helped, were complicit with having uh, friends get abortions, seeing this film and just becoming really undone to become renewed. Mm-hmm. And these types of stories are coming in. We're hearing emails of lives being changed, hearts being changed, minds being changed. And um, what was coming against us for ill it became a great good. I, I just think about the individual lives that have not only been changed, but saved. You shared with me on the live Instagram video in between our last segment show, show of segments, uh, how the 15 year old boy ended up saving yes. the life of a baby, yes. of one of his classmates. In Los Angeles, we had a, a religious order of nuns who hosted a private screening. And this is the power of the church coming together mm-hmm. to collaborate uh, with Hollywood. You know, these types of movies cannot be just made by filmmakers or because of Abby Johnson or because of uh, the great acting. But it's right. it's contingent upon all of us as the body of Christ to work together to change the culture. And I just want to say a shout out to all of the people like um, the different religious orders and priests and parishes and the USCCB and bishops and pro-life groups who, who literally put their money where their mouth is and put their elbow grease into this to say, we're going to stand with you. We're going to help raise up this film to our communities and bring this message of hope and healing. Coming up on the show, Alexis Walkenstein is also an Emmy Award-winning journalist, so we'll be diving into a little bit of her experience living also the single years joyfully in a world that doesn't really wait. And so we'll be diving into the topic of being single and joyful and chaste. But also, I'm hearing a lot of people, Alexis, who are saying, okay, specifically high school students, some who are really emboldened, they're now talking, some people who are having major 
conversion of heart, but others were saying, my heart has changed. I don't know how to talk about this still. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we'll be diving into one of those areas and how to respond to the rape question Mm -hmm. that always comes up in a pro-life argument. Because you can always tell stories about unplanned, Mm -hmm. you can cite statistics, but you do need to know how to respond to that rape Mm -hmm. question. That's Mm -hmm. difficult. So that'll be coming up. I want to talk about effective communication, you know, living by principles of truth, beauty, goodness in the world. Uh, One of the great communicators, which by the way, Alexis is an author of a book about Fulton J. Sheen. Now, blessed, soon to be, to be, is it proper word canonized? A saint. He's going to be beatified, beatified first. So yes. blessed is the is the second to last level of of sainthood. So um, the Vatican approved a miracle um, validating uh, that a woman in Peoria is a little boy who was stillborn yes. for over an hour, no vital signs. Yes. Um, and she cried out to Fulton Sheen for this miracle. That miracle and all the the um, interviews and testimony from the medical community and the faith community went to the Vatican and they have affirmed that this is a bona fide miracle, yes. paving the way for Bishop Sheen to be Blessed Sheen. Right. His beatification will be in the United States at a date to be yes. announced and we're all waiting. And that's now eight-year-old James Fulton, who 61 minutes after stillborn yes. birth ends up being resuscitated yes. and lives through the intercession of Blessed Fulton No Sheen. brain damage. Nothing wrong with him. It is incredible. incredible. And they have an upcoming book. I think it's 61 minutes to hope. Yes, their their book is it's I think it's pre-orders are out now and uh, I have it in my inbox. Like I have it to read and and preview. So I'm really excited to knowing the story, but then seeing it in a dramatic telling. I'm excited for that. So being in journalism, working on some of these major Christian films that have been coming out over the years, including Unplanned, you have really seen the importance of effective communication of faith, of principles having to do with life and sexuality. And you've really taken Fulton Sheen as a model for an effective communicator. What stood yeah. out to you? Well, I think, um, you know, his boldness and to really um, evangelize in season and out of season. I mean, he was he was the master to be able to take very lofty, heavenly um, truths and to bring them into uh, an understanding for the world to be able to receive very simply. So these profound truths he was able to unpack and deliver with clarity and with wisdom and with a joy, you know, a joy that could really kind of hit people between the eyes, especially if you're living in sin or especially if you just kind of doubt, you know, what is this bishop with this cape saying, you know, (laughs) Um, but he had this ability to penetrate all levels of society, you know, every economic strata, every um, type of race. I mean, he was a missionary. He was able to communicate with absolutely everybody and use the dawn of radio and television to do so. So he was on national television, secular mm-hmm. national yes. television with a weekly show that I'm reading the name of it all Life of is worth living. Life is worth living. And he had a radio show as well. And so here is, like you're saying, medi- like modern means of communication to spread the gospel. Right. And he did it so effectively. You can even go today, head to YouTube and watch some of his Life is Worth Living shows you can watch the old shows mm-hmm. they're fantastic they're, they're one fantastic. of my favorite things to yeah. take with me on a journey and driving as well yeah he's funny and you know he he's full of wisdom and seriousness and and prophetic at times very hauntingly prophetic so um i just love him and, and it's not just the physical presentation of what he brings but i really experienced the power of his spiritual friendship and his intercession during my time of need as a communicator working in the Diocese of Palm Beach and needing to be able to represent the church well. I didn't want to misstep. I wanted to use the forum to educate and instruct um, because oftentimes I was interfacing with mainstream journalists and mainstream publications. So how do you bridge the gap between the sacred and the secular, so to speak, and and have 
a communication that's persuasive but full of truth. Mm, absolutely. And Bishop Sheen does that. He intercedes when you ask him to. And I think that that testimony of Jessa James Fulton, eight years old, and here we are in a time where communication is so difficult, so heated, conversations are being shut down, right. censorship of unplanned. Right. We need saints like him in mm-hmm. the church today. Exactly. And, and the world, for some reason, was not afraid of a religious message. I mean, this was, I mean, the show is called Life is Worth Living, and people could really derive from that. Um, whether they were Christian or atheist, you know, really the fundamentals, the keys for having a life worth living and to be set free. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? I know it's available on Amazon. We'll tweet sure. out to it, but it's titled Fulton J. Sheen. It's titled Fulton J. Sheen. It's from Pauline Media's Ex Libra series, which is basically a new series to unpack the wisdom of saints and saints to be. And it was really interesting. I was working on a film uh, and on the night of the premiere, uh, an acquisitions editor that I never met said that my name came up at an editorial meeting. They wanted me to compile a book on Bishop Sheen. And I knew it was a response to my own prayer. God was about to move me to Hollywood. And Fulton Sheen was really the intercessor behind all my movements. And so it was like a big stamp of, of validation. And the book is it's a compilation. It's very pithy. So it's, it's dense, but you can really pick it up and put it down. It's kind of for our ADD culture. It's broken down into five sections. And I, because I really prayed and I asked the Lord, what does the world need through Fulton Sheen today? What does the culture need? Um, I don't want it to be just the obvious about Fulton Sheen, but what are the hidden things that he brings to restore the culture and renew the culture of the church, families, individuals? And the Lord really downloaded to me the, the major topics. And they are basically the fire of God, how God pursues a soul. Human freedom, because isn't that something that we struggle with every day? You know, Mm -hmm. how much freedom do we have? Um, The greatest gift that we give back to God is our own surrender and our own free will. So there's a whole section on human freedom, divine love. So the ways that we, you know, encounter Christ uh, in his love and um, through matrimony and and marriage, through to get married, human sexuality, vocation, and then sin, because our culture has basically scrubbed the word sin from our <laughs> vocabulary because we can do anything, you know, going back to human freedom, it's anything goes. So bringing back to the fore for the church, the concept of sin and how we separate ourselves from the friendship of Christ and how to get back into friendship with him through the through confession and repentance. Mm-hmm. And then finally, knowing Jesus, you know, how do we encounter Christ? What Fulton Sheen says about encountering Christ and where did he encounter Christ? Absolutely. It's powerful. So you can find it on Amazon, Fulton J. Sheen. And it has, I'm sure, reflections by you along with much of his own writings that you really compile together for people to reap the benefits from. Yeah. And you can get it also at Pauline.org. If you have a Pauline bookstore in your area, you could visit the Media Nuns. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what the connection was when I was approached by the Media Nuns to do the book, but I found out on my book tour that Bishop Sheen, who did a daily holy hour when he was in New York, his parish straddled Um, His two parishes that he operated from straddled the Pauline Media Bookstore, and they had an adoration chapel, and he had his own key. So the nuns gave him his own key to be able to adore the Lord in their bookstore in Manhattan. And so I met one of the nuns um, who knew him and could testify to that. So I knew um, Fulton Sheen was behind the connection of having the Daughters of St. Paul put this little book together. Wow, that's incredible. You can find it on Amazon, at Pauline Bookstores, and on their website. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That is Alexis Walkenstein, author, incredible communicator, co-producer of Unplanned, and an absolute joy to have in studio. 
Alexis, I wanted you to join me in taking some questions from listeners. Sure. We're in the midst of beach body time. And sometimes <laughs> beach body time that so many people are working for leads to really difficult circumstances, not just for the women, but also for mm-hmm. men, um, especially in a culture that has been so pornified. So yes. um, it's making it increasingly more difficult for young men to avoid lustful thoughts. Um, Beaches. How about the office? Oh, I mean, gosh. Oh, that's true. I used to have it's to send true. interns home that were wearing like thongs that you could see when they bent over. I mean, so, I mean, it's beaches, it's everywhere, right? I still can't understand the cheeky shorts. Like, I'll see parents walking right. with their kids. I'm like, does the parent know her butt cheeks are hanging out? Because I'm sure she's aware that she's flaunting right. it. But does her mother know? Right, right, right. <laughs> so some of the questions that have come up surround event- essentially avoiding sin. And mm-hmm. I love that these were written in because it's like, how far do we go essentially? So yeah. the first question is, if I struggle with lust, should I even go to the beach at all? I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. That's really hard. I mean, I you can't avoid... What kind of beach are you going to, first of all? Okay, <laughs> yes, I guess thank that's, you. <laughs> I think that's the first question is if you're in Christ and you're a new person in Christ and a new creation and you're trying to avoid the navigation of sin, are you going to South Beach? Are you going to Venice Beach? Are you going to go somewhere that maybe it's a little bit more secluded? You can avoid the ocean or there's families and, you know, you go at the end of the day and you if you know you have a problem. You know, I mean, obviously, like we can't take ourselves out of the we can't take ourselves out of the world. We would become a cult if we do that. We have to be able to train our eyes, and it's called having custody of the eyes. Amen. That's what I. And I really, I really believe that even in the midst of you know some of the things that are that confront us, we can have custody of the eyes. You know, right? And where where do we look? What are we looking at? What are we focusing on? Um, And our prayers every day in the sacramental life that that we marry ourselves to are going to be the strength that we have to avoid the near occasion of sin. But I think Amen. we can take little precaution. And this is not to make us like living in some Catholic bubble. Please, we can't do that. But we can take some precautions and say, okay, like, am I going to go to this racy beach or am I going to go to something that's a little bit more modest? Am I going exactly. to go enjoy something on the water and do this and enjoy the things that I love, the beauty of creation? Um, or am I going to put myself in a hot mess of a situation that could really be my downfall? Right. I mean, I live right above Black's Beach in San Diego. It's known as the nude beach. There's a reason that I avoided going to the beach there. That's one yeah. area that I would say, yeah, you should probably yeah, outright away. avoid if that. If you know that, then, uh, you know, go somewhere else. Right. But I'm also going to look at this really with you. And I know you're saying the same thing, custody of the eyes. But what point are you putting yourself personally in the near occasion of sin? Because if you really have struggled with pornography, mm-hmm. you really struggle with lust, maybe you need to take a season away from the beach. Maybe you do. In order to ve- to develop that custody of the eye so right. that when you are confronted with it in this culture, which is almost unavoidable at it's the beach. It's almost unavoidable. At the beach, the yeah. workplace, I mean, we see uh, all kinds of manner of dress um, out in the world where people do not reverence the body. And they right. it's the less is more instead of more more being more, right. you know, more covered up is is really more like the classy approach. I think people who um, are modest become such a contradiction. And what women don't know is that modesty doesn't mean Amish. Modesty does not mean, <laughs> you know, you're wearing a bag. Modesty right. can be the most exquisitely elegant, right. gorgeous mysterious part of a woman we need to as women instill that in women and it's not man's fault i mean i think women play a huge role in this in the way that we um, over sexualize ourselves in the way that we attention seek and in ways that we think that we need to be to attract something which is not of god Mm -hmm. i mean we need to retrain all of our thinking around this and it's 
you know, good intention people can have the same kind of attitude. You know, my own grandmother would be like, if you got it, flaunt it, you know, (laughs) you know, Catholic woman. But it's like, okay, um, you still kind of can. But there's a balance. That's Alexis Walkenstein. You're listening to Trending with Timory. This custody of the eyes, though, taking a season away. And, you know, I will throw this in there as we come into the next question. We have to remember, you know, Jesus says if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And I'm not telling you to pluck out your eyes. You know, there's a reason that some of the church fathers were not um, canonized saints specifically because they've gone too far in applying the letter of that law there. Uh, But how far are we going? One of the questions asks and supporting an environment of half naked women. Right. And I think that there's a difference, for example, between and we've talked about this on trending, watching Game of Thrones and giving your eyeball viewership to Game of Thrones and going to the beach where you're not intentionally going to seek out these Mm -hmm. these specifically Mm -hmm. you know scantily clad essentially essentially like right in front of you versus if you're watching it's game of thrones you know what's in that show we know what's coming there's a big difference there's a difference i mean you you might be confronted and you didn't intend to be confronted with that and you know there are quick prayers you can say okay lord you know cover my eyes you can look away i mean there's all this kind of stuff i mean what also let's face it Idleness is the devil's playground. How right. often are you hanging at the beach? <laughs> like, let's do some work yeah. for the Lord. Let's do some service for the Lord. Take find, a book to the beach. <laughs> find a way to find the beach in a way that glorifies God without yeah. being caught up in the spirit of the world. These are not easy situations, I will no, say. I agree. These are not easy situations. This is this is a higher level of spirituality that that yeah. comes over time. So if anyone's listening to this thinking, that's a cup of crazy, it might seem that way. But when you are growing in the spiritual life and going up the ladder of faith, of perfection he asks things of us that are part of mortification to lay right. some things down you know it could be a, it could be like a fast you know sometimes he asks us to give things up that are that are food that are pleasure but it could be something that could cause us to sin that's that's even bigger deal i mean we don't want to be in any kind of near occasion of sin right absolutely so know yourself know, know yourself. the situation you're in know where you're putting your money where you're putting your support there's a difference between supporting and funding something even funding it with your eyeball power of watching a certain movie yes. and tv shows but you really have to know yourself and i'll leave you on kind of on this topic um i was just just with dr jerry nadal um who's um molecular microbiologist and he's a professor on college and university campuses and he's saying you know i know my colleagues probably make fun of me wondering geez nadal why do you have your eyes staring down at the pavement as you walk across campus yes but he said i know personally that i need to do that to honor my wife and in fact honor the young women who are flaunting things on campus so you need to know yourself Mm -hmm. and i think that although people say well i can watch game of thrones and be perfectly fine Okay, but you can't watch these scenes. And then you're supporting something. There's a difference between that, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. and really trying to avoid the near occasion when you're going to the beach and you're, you know, maybe mm-hmm. limiting your time. Custody of the eyes is mm-hmm. so important. Custody of the eyes is important. And I think as women, we've been in situations where we see men do that, look down or look away, and you're kind of like, what is going on? Like, do I have the plague? And you <laughs> don't realize that they are, you know, protecting themselves or protecting, you know, their 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 covenant, you know, their sacrament, their marriage. And we have to respect that. And that I think we have to learn to, like theology of the body, yeah. we have to look at the good of God's creation and not be offended by it. 
But we mm-hmm. are in such a pornified culture. It's like the heat's been turned up. So there's a lot of things that are tantalizing to people. And this is not just for men. This is for women, too. Women are as addicted to pornography as men right, right now. And we've heard priests say that, you know, in confession, they're hearing that. So we have to we have to just do better with how we present ourselves for the glory of God and be gentle with each other. Right. In conclusion, I'll throw this in there. Another question came out. Should I feel guilty if I'm seeing other people's bodies and, you know, in instead of my spouse. And I'll say this, especially as men, you are going to struggle with images being popping into your head, the images of women, your mind may begin to wander, but it's what you do with those images what you do with the thoughts. and how yeah. far you go. And that's the mm-hmm. strength that you need to develop within. So if you have to take that season away from certain things mm-hmm. in order to develop that custody of the mm-hmm. mind and the eyes, do it to avoid the near occasion of sin. We should be fighting to remain in a state of grace. And so I commend you for asking these questions. I challenge you to live it by how you need to make the changes necessary. And not everybody has that issue. I mean, to some people that this whole thing might seem ludicrous. Right. And it's because you don't have that issue, but you might have another issue. So we have to be gentle with people and help them to be gentle with themselves. Absolutely. I want to touch for a second here. That's Alexis Walkenstein. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I've posted this video on my social media. You can find me trending with Timmerae or Timmerae, just T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, because I want you to watch this video of a 10-year-old girl named Casey from London. She was suspended from school for a week along with another classmate. In this short video, she breaks through to the issue of forced transgender pro-gay communication on her campus and says... Basically, since all this education has been occurring, but now people are confused. If they're saying they're bisexual and trans, it's because they're confused. And she goes on to say before this happened, they were completely confident in who they were, but they're not anymore. And she's Mm. saying, and she even says this 10 year old girl, even four year olds are confused because it's being forced on them in school. Yep. Yeah, I've heard of this. I've heard many instances of this. And I think it's, it's really a season of parents taking custody of your children they are your greatest treasure they belong to god you are the custodian until you return them back to heaven Mm -hmm. um if you think it's light or funny or politically correct and um just go along get along uh check yourself because this is very serious this uh could be life-altering for our young people um the confusion and the twisting and the um open doors that this brings in uh this kind of train of thought that is apart from Christian thought is something that needs to be really dealt with. Mm. And to hear a 10 year old cutting through the garbage. Oh yeah. And saying this is causing kids to lose confidence. What are we doing mm-hmm. people? What young people that have doing? to actually think in this right. way, this young it's that's child abuse. It is child abuse. And this is why pediatricians mm-hmm. are speaking out against this. This is why endocrinologists are right. speaking out against this. I mean, in the state of California, you got to listen to this because this may not be in your state yet, but it is coming. Right. We are having elementary school kids being forced to participate in coloring book sheets yes. that are drawing things having to do with sexuality, gender yep. ideology. And they're being told you're not a boy. You're not right. a girl. Also in California, you probably saw this story about the little girls with condom races. Mm -hmm. They had to race each other to bring condoms to the anatomy of a male and, you know, put it on with the little boys cheering. This is the kind of stuff where homeschool all the way. I mean, I was I never had this attitude, but (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) how do you take a pure, innocent child and put them in this compromised situation and destroy their soul? 
uh, parents, uh, all adults, we need to wake up. And Christ is very clear. There is a great punishment for those who cause the littlest of us among us Mm -hmm. to sin. And this is a really big deal. And I look at this 10 year old girl, Casey, she shares her story. But in addition to the story that she shares, what happened is essentially this agenda is being pushed on them. They're being pressured Mm to basically color LGBTQ Mm -hmm. pictures. Mm -hmm. And one of the other boys next to her actually begins to speak up a 10 year old kid and she and one of the others starts talking about how back home where they're from africa she's a jamaican um people would die for this people would be killed now she wasn't saying Mm. that they should be killed but she's saying if this were to occur where where they came from this wouldn't be okay and so now the school teachers are trying to say that the kids are saying these people should die these people should be punished they are now using an agenda not only to force it upon kids confuse mm-hmm. them but now mm-hmm. they're trying to punish them mm-hmm. for even saying something to the contrary right well we we have a problem overall in our culture and in the church because overall um the church has been very poor in its instruction and persuasive ability to evangelize on sexuality mm. the root of all of this is confusion over who we are as sons and daughters of God and the purpose of sexuality to be uh, within marriage. And that's first and foremost. So the, the church has been so remiss on teaching waiting. And the problem here is now it's a free for all everywhere. And there's absolutely no moral objection to these topics because of the fear of not being able to be politically correct or whatever. And so we have got to get a spiritual backbone on all these topics and let our light shine and be contradiction to the world. Even if we are the only one, two or 10 in our community, we have to represent Christ because um, these are the times in which it is is urgent. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Emmy Award-winning journalist Alexis Walkenstein is in studio with us. A little later on in the show, we've been talking a lot about you know living your faith in the workplace, code of ethics, but she's going to be talking about living your single life in a world that really doesn't wait and is quite impatient. So that's coming up. In the meantime, Alexis, you are the co-producer behind Unplanned. You are seeing the conversions taking place worldwide, having to do with the life issue and the lives that are saved. But we also have people who are struggling to still engage the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I want to dive into the topic of how do you respond to the rape question, for Mm, example? That's a tough one. But before we go there, you yourself have a story of being a little bit of an unplanned pregnancy. Um, no, I don't. Of being an unplanned. Nope. Your parent, I thought that. Well, my mom, my yeah, mom. You were in an yeah. unplanned pregnancy. No, nope, I wasn't. You my, were? My mom, oh. my mom had my sister when she okay. was 15 and a half. Your so sister was unplanned. I grew up in the culture of um, just looking at women through the lens of my mom's experience of being Got pregnant it. as a teenager and then understanding women and what they go through. Right. Just because you choose to have the baby doesn't mean that it's an easy life. Right. You know, uh, we have to stay with women for as long as. You know, as long as necessary. And I think my mom is just such a hero to me. I mean, I can't imagine my life without my sister or her children. But um, so, yeah, growing up in that environment of understanding um, the choice for life. I mean, talk about a choice, but choosing life, you know, and not wanting to stunt your own life, your education, all of your choices after this 
change, you know, everything changes. And my dad came into the mix um, and adopted my sister, you know, when she was four. And so seeing the the radical selflessness of of him to be like another St. Joseph, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of take up the baton. He wanted children so badly. And and this was not an impediment for him. Right. So, yeah. So I wasn't. I was, I guess, uh, I'm a prod. I was, well, I was, I was planned in the sense of, I mean, my mom was told she could never have kids after my sister Wow. and they prayed and my mom begged God and said, uh, so that Marie won't be alone. And, um, and so the doctors told her she was insane when she said, "I'm, I'm actually pregnant. And they said, you're not pregnant. You're ill. You're mentally ill. And she said, no, I'm pregnant. I know my body. I'm pregnant. Wow. And so she said that, you know, that that was a miracle, but it was, it was not so much for them, but she really wanted another baby for my sister. So um, we're eight years apart. And um, yeah, so I, for me, this has been a mission. Doing Unplanned is a mission of love. I also know that there have been abortions in my own bloodline and my family. And so as an act of reparation for, you know, sin in the bloodline and also just uh, to honor women who have been like my mom, you know, Mm -hmm. and have suffered um, the consequences of their error, um, but that God works miraculous good out of it, a Mm -hmm. life a beautiful life, a better than beautiful life. My sister is the most beautiful, talented woman that I looked up to my whole life, and I can't imagine life without her. Well, and I look at the gift of your life that your mom told, was told she could never have children, yeah. and it's a light, and it's a glimmer of hope for people who are suffering infertility as well. That's true. That's true. And pressing in you yeah, know, for the prayer. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for yeah. that gift, that miracle. I want to talk about the rape issue. Mm. Uh, so many people, I think that, you know, for years, this has been at the heart of the abortion debate and it's been the justification in many reasons for legal abortion. And we also live in a time where many young girls are engaging in sex. It's consensual, but it's also not wanted, especially among high schoolers. Right. right. And so we've got to be able to respond to this rape question. At times we can, yes, say, okay, how about we talk about the other 99% of abortions that aren't for rape and sex right. or healthy mother? But we have to hit the question as well. And so I wanted to tell a story in a little bit about one woman's experience in having been raped. But here are some important things to remember. Not even the rapist receives the death sentence, the death mm. penalty mm. for having raped the woman. Not right. only that, in many cases, in the statutory rape instances, we're destroying the evidence. Planned Parenthood has been caught red handed destroying the evidence as soccer coaches, right. um, you know, older stepbrothers, mm-hmm. foster mm-hmm. parents are taking in minors mm-hmm. to receive an abortion after mm-hmm. having been sexually mm-hmm. abused. Yeah. Yeah. I think these are very difficult realities i mean what's the percentage of those who've been raped the abortions through rape it's a small percentage i'm, I'm pretty sure it's a small percentage it's less Never, than one percent nevertheless uh it's i cannot a big number it's a big you number i cannot imagine being raped number one number two being raped and having the consequence of that rape stare you in the face right, right. these are radical radical realities of sin radical realities and yet completely completely beyond our human scope is this idea of the good that could come from something so horrific so violating as a life that comes from that it is so hard to tell a woman to choose life who has been so destroyed in her body and violated and yet it is the right thing it is the right thing and to take that life 
even though you may feel like your spiritual and physical life was stolen from you, to take a life in turn is not going to be the thing that sets you free. And we have to look at women deserve better than the choice of abortion. The That's fact right. that it's an option is more detrimental. You know, I could tell you story after story of having worked in the crisis pregnancy centers, having been in front of right. the, on the sidewalks in front of the clinics. And even, you know, I remember debating this mm-hmm. topic one day with one of the feminist professors mm-hmm. at Cal State San Marcos in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And the question of rape came up over and over and over yeah. again. And I kept saying this, not only does a child, yes, not receive the death penance, right. why, why is it that we're justifying killing an innocent human being, but there's this, that woman, in the cases where we see women choose to have an abortion mm. after having been raped, they themselves say that they identify then more with the rapist than as having been a victim. Wow. Because they identify with having done something egregious right. to another human right. being. And right. so it actually stunts it equalizes their them. It stunts process. their healing. Yeah, I mean, so like all the medical reasons of why, but then there's the spiritual reasons. I mean, look at Christ who went to the cross, who did not deserve it. Right. He took the cross unto himself. Did he deserve any bit of that death, any bit of that scourge, the scourging at the pill? He didn't deserve it. So the woman who was raped did not deserve it, want it, none of it. And yet called to bear witness to life. I mean, these are these are realities that are beyond our scope of understanding. Why, God, do you even allow? Why would he permit this kind of suffering, this kind of evil? And yet he can produce Romans 828, the greatest good from from all things. Mm -hmm. And so a woman who may not feel like she could necessarily care for that child or have that child in her life. um, The church is not saying you need to keep the child uh, and raise the child. Someone else will do that. But but let the child live. Mm, let the child live. You know, I'm looking at a website called save the one.com mm. and it's save the number one, actually just writing the number. And there are the stories of tons of women who chose life after having been, been raped. raped. Right. And one story I recently read from there, and I'll just quote it. The woman said, they have turned my sorrow into joy. And she's ah, talking about beautiful her testimony. Living, yeah. She's talking about her living daughter mm. and now her grandchildren at 18. Mm. She ended up going bowling with a group of friends she didn't know. Mm. And she doesn't remember a lot from that night, but she drank. She knows she's mm. certain she was drugged mm. because when she woke up in the middle of being raped, her body couldn't even physically move mm. to respond. Mm. And she went into a depression as she was starting to come out of the depression and being home. She ends up discovering she's pregnant. Oh my gosh. And and I mean, thank God she lived in a supportive family. Right. The story, Alexis, it's incredible. She says the day she decided to share with someone was she, she remembered walking into the room as her older sister was blowing up the balloons for her engagement party. Oh, and my God. Here she is to share that not only has she been raped, but she's pregnant. Right. The visible sign of that violation yes. is, you know, and the shame with all of that. So we, we need to be better as a church to really pour the love on for women who are going through um, these horrific situations. We cannot say that these are not horrific situations. We have to identify with the pain. We have to identify with the loss of, right. of, li- of their own, lose your life to save it kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, no one asked to get raped. And now you have a nine month period to have a baby. Your life goes on hold. You don't know how, you know, an 18 year old, a college student, whatever i mean this is radical sacrifice and the, but the lord says i will i will never leave you nor mm-hmm. forsake you mm-hmm. and so we have to be the lord to these women and never leave them and never forsake them and this is my challenge to everyone listening i think sometimes to be really pro life as to, is not to ever approve abortion to be but to be to the point where you get it 
Mm-hmm. You get where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Women never really actually want the abortion, even if they're no. using a bad reason right. or a bad excuse for the abortion. They, do. mm-hmm. they don't want it. And I can tell you that from having worked in the crisis pregnancy right. centers. It's a Band-Aid it's for a whatever band-aid wound, relationship, right. Right. sexual addiction, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It's a Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid. And um, there are so many women and I meet them in my, you know, the secular parts of my life and. A woman recently who shared with me, she knew what movie I was working on, that she had had an abortion. She hadn't told anybody and uh, constantly reminded of this situation. And um, I couldn't fix her in that moment, but I could I I could pray for her mm-hmm. and I could listen to her and let her talk where she is. And then the next time I see her, see what the Lord does again. But we have to be able to let people pour out their pain and share. Um, we know that abortion is... Um, doesn't just kill the baby it kills the mother mm-hmm. it kills the mother and there are many women who are the, like the walking dead amongst us suffering in secret sin and shame of having had an abortion of never telling anyone and the movie unplanned is not necessarily to throw cold water on people's face and say look what you did it's to say look what you can be transformed by mm-hmm. you may have been here like abby but she is a transformed woman of god and god can use the worst to bring the best she has led nearly 500, over 500 abortion workers out of the business. She's touched countless people. And um, and this is a life transformed. She's like a modern day St. Paul. And if God can do that for Abby, he can do it for anyone that's listening to this show right now. Mm-hmm. Remember, your life can be utterly and completely changed. And we have to remember the message. Women deserve more than abortion being an option on the table because it damages them. That's right. We're not just talking about the life of a baby, but that mother's soul. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. And I am back with Alexis Walkenstein, and we're going to talk about living the single life you have on your website because you talk about this in a world that doesn't wait. That's right. <laughs> so tell me more about your message and living out a single life joyfully and chastely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, living as the church teaches, you know, waiting for marriage and becomes a very big contradiction uh, to the world that doesn't wait. The whole world seems to be cohabitating. I recently worked on a movie called The Dating Project, which really oh, double clicked on the fact yes. that, you know, over 50 percent of America is single. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier earlier in the show about my mom, you know, having my sister when she was 15 and a half. And it was the lens by which I looked at not only other women like my mother, but it was the it was the lens by which I was looking at my own life and how I was called to live my life. And initially it was kind of like, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant like your mother, (laughs) you know, and it was kind of like this fear based reaction, knowing that the church taught that, knowing that this happened to my mother. It's like if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. So don't do it. But over time, and Fulton Sheen was really part of this and and John Paul too, but understanding the why and understanding um, why you preserve that for the one, the one that you're called to. And, you know, by grace, um, to be able to wait and to set yourself apart, uh, avoid scenarios that are going to put you into an occasion of sin and, and, you know, not necessarily serial date like so many women I minister to a lot of young women who feel like, you know, if their Friday or Saturday or Monday night or Tuesday night or Thursday night is not full and they don't have a fleet of dates lined up and, you know, they're a whole nothing. bunch of busyness going on with men, that they're nothing. And I 
I had just kind of a different mentality and I, I do believe it's grace and I just really just praying for the one, you know, the one man that is set apart for me and I'm set apart for him that in due season he will emerge and, you know, to really be busy for the Lord in that season. And that's a lot of my message and to kind of bring people to the dignity of who they're called to be as men and women in radical preparation for that sacrament. Um, the Lord has put on my heart that my marriage will be a testimony you know, because God is doing marriage now. He's about restoring marriage. He's about reinstructing because the church has been remiss in this topic, you know, slowly coming up to speed with theology of the body and some of Fulton Sheen's principles in Three to Get Married. But the church needs to be recatechized and young people need to be recatechized on the concept of what it means to wait, what marriage is, what sexuality is. It's not to say it's not fun. And, you know, but it's all in the marriage. It's, you know, free, faithful, total, fruitful. And um, we're not free if we're romping around now. We're not free. And uh, you can't be fruitful when you're not married, you know. And so you're you're putting restrictions on God. And so my message is really built through the truth of what John Paul II has delivered in his amazing witness of theology of the body and through my recent decade-long friendship with Bishop Sheen. It was three to get married that really brought me into his fold. And it helped me to identify... Um, the reason why you wait and that it will be worth the wait because without Christ at the center, it's not going to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be vainglory. It's going to be selfish. And Fulton Sheen has some words where he says, you know, two people that are not filled cannot, cannot bless each other. Basically. He says, you know, two glasses of water need to have a source outside of two cups outside, have to have a source of water outside themselves to fill them up. And that's Christ. Mm -hmm. We need the grace of Christ and the grace of the sacrament to fill us up. And so if we're if we're living uh, as marrieds before our time, we're getting filled up by sin. We're not getting mm -hmm. filled up by the freedom of giving yourself as a self-donation yeah. to another. A plain house, you know, not just yeah. what the church is saying, but plain house clearly shacking up. I know people who cringe now. It's so funny because I know yeah. a lot of millennials who are like, they hear the word shacking up and they're like twitching. Like, please don't say those words. I'm like, yeah. there's a reason you're twitching when I say them. Yeah. Uh, but statistically, we see the likelihood that you'll ever get married decreases the moment you shack up. And yeah. the likelihood that if you get married, you stay together decreases. The likelihood of a happy first year or mm -hmm. years of marriage mm -hmm. decrease mm -hmm. when you live together before marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, I was at a wedding recently, actually, and it was so interesting because somehow it, it was totally a God thing because there were so many obstacles to getting to this wedding. And I'm there and I ended up sitting with totally different people than I would have had I shown up earlier. Yeah. And it was interesting. I ended up sitting next to this one gentleman and uh, somehow it comes up, you know, he hadn't brought his girlfriend to the wedding because, you know, the next girl he was going to bring to a wedding he planned on marrying, essentially. Yet later ends up sharing that he's thinking about taking the next step and moving in together. And it was this moment to speak to, you know, well, you know, you're going to decrease the chance of you getting married if you do that. And he looks yeah. at me and he's like, okay, miss, like working in the Catholic yeah. world. And I said, no, it has, doesn't have just to do with being Catholic. Look right. at the sociology behind the this. sociology. Yeah, there's all kinds of sociology behind it. Never mind the spiritual consequences. But right. yeah, I mean, just the sociology. And then there's this whole thing with emotional chastity. You right. know, I mean, I deal with, like I said, a lot of young women and they become obsessed with <laughs> someone that they're just looking at. Never mind even in a relationship with. Is it any wonder these boys are terrified sometimes exactly. of the first day? <laughs> exactly. And so women have to be better and more formed under the dignity and the mantle of Mary. I just feel like emotional chastity is the beginning to success in all of these 
areas where we want to achieve the heights of his glory, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it might seem like spiritual pie in the sky to say, you know, who who could possibly wait in this generation right. where, like you said, the pornified culture and, you know, all of the things around us and the way everyone else is living, the pull of the world could be so strong. And yet God will honor you if you wait. God will honor you. He will not be outdone in generosity and he will form you the way you need to be for that marriage and that that spouse. And he will form that person as well. And he can also transform someone who's been living in sin. I will say that, too, because some people might be listening and thinking, I could never do this or I have lived in sin or I have lived with a woman or a man. You can come out of that and be totally transformed by grace and wait again and become new again. Mm, It is so true. If we just remember that, you know, you may be in whatever situation right now, but it's changeable. Tomorrow is a new day. And, you know, I think sometimes unfortunately people say okay we need to accompany people where they're at and i agree we do need to accompany people where we're at but we also need to get out of the bad situations Mm -hmm. that we find ourselves in Mm -hmm. at times Mm -hmm. and recognize like we sometimes need to reach out and get help in order to pull ourselves out of those situations Mm -hmm. i mean working with college students and i know you've seen this working with young women i could always tell when a young woman was coming up to me dealing with a breakup whether or not she was sexually active based on how she handled the breakup exactly because you are chemically bonding yourself emotionally bonding yourself to someone who's not committed to you yes and you know the reality is i i just i feel very deeply that god is doing a new thing on the earth and he's going to raise up people as witnesses in this area um it's hard this is not easy i'm not sitting here telling you like oh waiting is easy and you know you set yourself apart this is not easy Mm -hmm. but god god will do for you I mean, to the level and degree that you collaborate with his grace, he will gift you in a way that you cannot even imagine to be able to accomplish his will. And the blessing is manifold. I mean, you do not want to be giving yourself away to someone who is not your intended. Right. You know, and some of you may have done that and you're thinking, I'm broken. But God can completely restore that area of your life can completely restore it, completely bring you to a place of chastity, perseverance, and waiting uh, for him. You know, the theology of the body is so powerful. One of my best friends teaches NFP and marriage preparation in the Diocese of Palm Beach. And there was a couple that came and, you know, half of the couples that are coming, more than half, like 90% of them are coming with one suitcase on these retreats. And they would have to say, um, do you want to get another bag to separate your stuff? Because you're not sharing a room, you know? And so they were always could be. I am guessing this is for the engaged Yeah, for God's plan for joyful marriage. And there was a couple there and one of them was a stripper and one of them uh, was, you know, like kind of benefiting from that, like going along with it. And once they heard the teaching of theology of the body, they were like practically in a fetal position hearing the truth for the first time. We have to be willing to speak the truth of what marriage is all about. The the sexual union of spouses is the actual reflection of the Trinity's triune love. I mean, we are, you know, the marriage embrace is the reflection of Christ on the earth. When you know what that is and the sacredness of that and that God gives us, gives his children, uh, with such generosity, the ability to be co-creators with him, when the spouses come together and they procreate, you are co-creating with Christ and bringing forth a new life. These are profound things, and we've made them base. We've made mm-hmm. them carnal. And again, it's not to say that it's not exciting and fun and pleasurable, but God wants all that. But we have to bring it back to the the root and it's the fruit of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And to know that it's divine. There's a divinity in all of this, that the marriage sacrament is no less than than another a vocal of holiness. This is this is 
God calls men and women in the sacrament through Cana. And we see the dignity of the sacrament coming as one of his first miracles. Mm-hmm. And you have to pray for the virtue of chastity. You have to remember, you know, yes. chastity is a virtue. Modesty is a virtue. You yes. were talking earlier about how some girls, you know, the first date, they're jumping on it. I mean, oh, yeah. this is the person I'm going to marry. Oh, you, the women yeah. emotionalize everything yes. and they're visualizing every sequence of events. Right. But it's a form of modesty in yes. how we think, how yes. we speak, how we interact. That if we don't learn to live modesty, not just in how we dress, but who we are, we're right. going to have a hard time living chastely. You know, someone asked me this question, and you know, maybe, you know, the answer to the sex abuse crisis is priests just marry. And I said, well, clearly no. priests are having a difficult time with the virtue of chastity. And I say this to single people as well, that if you can't be chased outside of marriage, you're not going to be chased inside of marriage. That's correct. And, you know, maybe you have sexual wounds in your past that need healing and God mm-hmm. will heal you from mm-hmm. this. But if you don't learn the virtue of chastity before you get married, mm-hmm. you will not be chased within your mm-hmm. marriage or or even chased within certain vows you take as religious. That's right. I think that's 100% correct. And we have to trust him with all these aspects of our life, with our flesh, you know, with our, our soul and our flesh. And the, and the two are one. You know, they're, they're all in, in, interconnected. And we give him glory with our actions, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the ultimate thing is, talk to me about a woman who's been living with a man for six or seven years. Is she really happy? You know, mm-hmm. is she happy? Does she feel like she's free in that? You know, is there freedom in that? Is she doing things to keep it together because there's no commitment? What compromises are being made? That's Alexis Walkenstein. You can find more about her at radiotrending.com underneath the guests page. But where's your website, Alexis? LexaCallyBlog.com. So stay tuned for that and more from Alexis Walkenstein. Head over to radiotrending.com for more episodes and to let us know what you want to hear on the next episode. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 